Thank you for joining us for this Freshfields podcast. My name is Cyrus Poacher, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm a financial services partner here in London. Today, I'm joined by two of my fellow partners, Keir McClellan, recently recognised as a rising star in the private equity space and a partner here in the London office. Hi there. And Martin McElwee, an antitrust partner who splits his time between London and Brussels. Morning. In this podcast, we'll focus on payments and in particular, the increased deal activity we've been seeing in this space and some of the regulatory and antitrust considerations that we think our clients are considering. But before we get into the detail, Keir, why are we talking about this now and who's generating the recent deal activity in the payment space? Thanks, Iris. This has been an ongoing trend over the last few years. I think it was probably all kick-started by when Advent and Bain bought WorldPay out of RBS as part of the data aid recovery. And then we've seen growing influence or, or impact from both corporates and private equity in this space. Most notably, you know, WorldPay has done a, a sort of round robin, has gone from Advent and Bain, uh, went to went to become listed on the market. Vantive then bought it, and FIS, a big US payments business, has, has subsequently bought it. We've seen private equity interest in the form of CVC and Blackstone acquiring PaySafe. Uh, we've also seen Advent and Bain again with Nets, Danish or Nordic payment processor, which has subsequently been acquired by Hellman and Friedman, Advent and Bain, and then a the subsequent merger with with Concardus. This sort of alludes to, I think, the the general theme around why everyone likes payments, and I think that is at the moment the consolidation play and trying to become the payments processor in the market, and that is what is, I think, again driving the activity. Because there is no number one player and people are trying to grow businesses to be as large as possible, private equity are seeing opportunities because getting some of these payment processors out from banks and mutuals can be quite difficult and they're prepared to invest and clean up the business um, before then selling that on to corporates. But it is and has been a, a very active area over the last few years and we continue to see this as consolidation continues to occur. That's a really interesting list of examples there. Oh, you know, as you say, often stemming from an industry which maybe 10 years ago was considered to be the sort of pipes and the boring bits run by banks into an industry in itself with a very active market. Are there other opportunities still available or do you think we are now going to see owners of payment systems in this space simply seek to consolidate? I think there's always going to be opportunities because it's probably the tip of the iceberg so far. They've in the most advanced markets in Western Europe and you know, the Nordics, I suppose, is it's always been at the forefront of digital payment. But you also look at where else this has really been done, and we're in the US, we're in the UK. You know, we've recently seen what Worldline, the French listed company, acquire six in Switzerland as they started to extract their business from the banks. And I think as this sort of demutualization process continues across the world, there will continue to be more opportunities. It just depends how far people are prepared to go to find that player to then try and consolidate them. So thinking about the consolidation play, which is clearly a big angle in all of this, Martin, that must clearly raise antitrust issues, which clients and other acquirers you know, should be mindful of. Yes, well, it's an interesting space, actually, because it is quite a wide and diverse ecosystem of providers some of whom, as, as Keir mentioned, come from uh, a background of being part of a, a bank with its roots in one particular country. Some of them have got long cross-border histories and they bring 
quite often a range of different attributes to the table. So in some of the recent tender processes that we've seen in a contractual context, you might have one prime bidder for that contract who is leading in providing the the, the core, but also quite a lot of other players who are providing part of the offering. There is a wide ecosystem and, and antitrust authorities are seeking to and have to understand all the parts of the pie or of the chain in order to get a a proper view of how competition is actually taking place for each of these opportunities. So there is, I think, uh, certainly evidence of consolidation. Uh, There are some big players out there, obviously, but there there are actually a lot of people in this uh, ecosystem and a lot of people who are participating in one way or another in the tender processes that we've seen. As you say, the payment space is is a diverse one. And, you know, certainly from a regulatory perspective, I'm talking to a lot of clients who are perhaps smaller fintechs or startups in this space who are looking to access a particular slice of the payments infrastructure. And certainly those, one would have thought, would have far less antitrust concerns given their size than perhaps some of the larger players, but perhaps they too need to have an eye on the antitrust considerations, considering their story is all about growth. I think that's right. And to take uh, a parallel example in other spheres, what antitrust authorities are very interested in at the moment is, what does the future of competition look like? Not just looking back to historic tender processes, but thinking about What are the plans for this startup or this new entrant to participate in processes going forward? What's their technological trajectory? What's their their financial growth trajectory? So smaller firms or the acquirers of smaller firms in this space really need to think about potential competition when they're talking to the authorities as much as historic competition. I think certainly from a regulatory perspective, one of the things that I see is driving a sort of increase in deal flow in the payment space is simply the fact that there are more activities that are now regulated as payment services activities. So, for example, account information service providers, providers of the service that we we now call open banking, uh, previously, I think, wouldn't have been regulated as, as payment service entities, but, but they now are. And I wonder, Keir, whether that is also one of the aspects that certainly from a private equity perspective, clients need to focus on when they are looking at acquisitions in this space. Yeah, I think that you're correct there, Cyrus. I think the increased regulation actually piques private equity interest because I think they then view this transaction as being more complex and more in the, the space that they can they can play that perhaps larger corporates don't want to get bogged down with uh, the increased regulatory burden that comes with some of these things and they're the the private equity guys are prepared to you know take on that additional complexity try and strip it back and work out what business segments there are there so that they could have a view to resell or do something else with that piece of the business yeah, I, I, I can completely see that because clearly, you know, lots of these private equity firms who have been very active in the banking space, 
who have got used to making acquisitions in effectively the most highly regulated area of financial services, presumably when they then look at the acquisition of a payments firm, have a degree of of, of institutional knowledge uh, of acquiring entities in the regulated space, which makes the payment services firms slightly less daunting than if you were entering th- th- this space from, from scratch. Whether or not they've they've found the payment space by accident or design, I'm not sure. You know, they're starting to look at those sort of more heavily regulated businesses. People have got to understand the financial services sector better and the subsectors that exist within it and therefore have had a better idea as to how to create value opportunities and which particular bit of the regulated business they should actually be focusing on and extracting. Yeah. And, and of course, and of course, with any of these acquisitions in the regulated space, it, it, it's it's vitally important, isn't it, that our clients understand the the consequences of owning a regulated business, as well as what that means for deal timetables, approval processes, etc. Uh, yeah, agreed. You know, and that feeds in both to. I suppose once you own the business, and as well as as when you're actually buying a business, and actually, you know, having some early engagement with regulators is often very key to understand where you think the the regulatory winds are blowing, uh, and how you'll be able to manage the business versus your business plan going forward. And Martin, do you see similar uh, similar advantages in the competition space in terms of early engagement with the competition authorities? Certainly true. This is. For all the reasons I think you and Kier have mentioned, uh, an area that the competition authorities think is interesting is is part of how financial services is changing from a nice traditional world of, of banks and then pipes, as, as one might characterise it, to something much more complex where data plays an important role, where different providers are playing different roles in different parts of the value chain. So they definitely see this as one of those areas that's interesting. So if parties are thinking about a merged control transaction, it is definitely smart to be engaging with the regulator early, expecting a period of pre-notification where you can talk them through the issues, talk them through the ecosystem, talk them through how you understand the market and how uh, the target might understand the market and really get them comfortable with the diversity that's out there uh, the internationalization of the market and the other characteristics that I think are still pretty prevalent in this that make it a space where there is plenty more that can be done without getting into antitrust problems. But that internalization of the market has been a sort of key theme of the last year, 18 months, hasn't it? Which is, as you say, will be a key driver to it because they were very much looked at as national markets beforehand, weren't they? Really very, very important phenomenon. You've still got, I guess tender processes uh, that are often taking place on a national basis or on a regional basis. But the providers in those are very, very much cross-border. You've got historic incumbents in one or more countries, but they are looking to build their businesses internationally. And that diversity, that potential and actual competition is really a key part of the market now and something that antitrust authorities really have to understand if they're going to get to grips with how future competition is going to work in the market. I think another interesting aspect of of a payment service deal today is the focus on uh, cyber risk and the sense that 
there are you know real challenges perhaps from a diligence perspective around the strength of the target cyber defenses when you're integrating that in terms of a consolidation play with existing platforms what are the other areas that that we're seeing clients think about when it comes to diligencing these payment services entities i know from a regulatory perspective one of the key questions other than whether or not the entity has the right licenses, is whether customer cash is appropriately protected. But what else, Keir, are you seeing? I was going to say, I think that, as you've touched on, they are two of the critical points in the cyber risk and customer cash, which is not just the financial regulator is looking at, but you're actually finding governmental intervention as well, with particularly with the rise of protectionism and people putting in national security reviews that you know they view payments as being critical infrastructure and therefore there's increased scrutiny not just as i say from the financial services regulator but also from the new regulators that are in charge of government or country infrastructure they'll often look at these deals as well that is one of the big general phenomena in in the world of getting your deal through from a regulatory standpoint and payment services is right in the midst of thinking about how critical national infrastructure is looked at by decision makers, whether those are in government or or, or the power is exercised by some agency. That isn't something we would really have had to think about five or more years ago. But anyone thinking about investing in this space has to be prepared potentially for a review uh, on public interest grounds that is different from a traditional antitrust review, different decision maker, different timetables, different considerations, and different uncertainties as well. Particularly because I think they're new regulators and they don't know quite how to use their toys that are at their disposal yet. Less precedent uh, and more flexibility, completely agreed. And that is a challenge if you are constructing your contract about where that risk is going to sit. Is it with the purchaser or the seller? And for a risk that's harder to get your arms around than traditional antitrust risk, that becomes quite a difficult area of negotiation. So we've touched on a lot of interesting points in this discussion, and I wonder whether there are any key points that we think potential acquirers of payment services businesses should think about, particularly at the early stage of assessing the merits of a transaction. My advice would be look forward, not back. Don't think about how competition has worked in the past. Think about how competition is going to work in the future. Who are the new entrants who are going to make a difference? Is that your target? Is it other people who are going to make your ride through the competition authorities easier because they're going to be important players going forwards? And as you develop, write down your business case. Think about what you'll want to be writing and saying in two years' time, in five years' time, when you make your exit, because the space is going to change and your considerations on exit might be quite different from your considerations going in. If I think even though this is a lightly regulated financial sector, early engagement of the regulator will always help and smooth the path to understand where this business can go and what you want to do with it, which you know feeds, I think, into Martin's point as well, so you have a good understanding of what is the art of the possible. 
from my perspective, the fundamental question remains a critical one, which is when you are looking at your target, you know, what services does it do and to what extent are those services regulated remains a fundamental question, particularly with the widening of the regulatory perimeter and as national competent authorities really start getting to grips with the new regime under PSD2, I really think that that businesses which previously weren't considered to be payment services businesses will increasingly be brought within the regulatory framework. Martin, Keith, thank you for those thoughts. And, and I think that seems a suitable point to finish. And if you haven't been put off by this one, you'll find plenty more podcasts available at freshfields.com.